Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... In BB's Kitchen by Hawa Hassan and Julia Tertian. Hey, Victoria. Hi, Johnny. It's a snow day today. It is. In Chicago. It has been snowing since three o'clock yesterday and in I the think, afternoon. I think the forecast is for more until like tonight sometime, midnight-ish. Ugh. But I was the plow king. I oh, got out there and uh, helped everyone out. He did the entire street. Very nice of Johnny. <laughs> I'm not about to start <laughs> snow blowing streets. That ain't my job. But I did do the sidewalk. Yes. On our side of the that block. That was very nice of you. Yeah. Um, we need more of that in this world. We do. So I think people were happy. I mean, sometimes our neighbor will do our sidewalk for us. And it's always nice when you open up the window and you're expecting to like have to go out there. And then you see someone did this random act of kindness. Yep. So that was actually my workout for today. Right. We didn't, we didn't do any yoga today. Wrestling that big snowblower around. Well, yeah, he, he does the snow blowing and then I shovel a woman with the bad back. Yeah. I think I got the better <laughs> end of that bargain. <laughs> I we're shovel, being honest. I shovel off the front steps and the back steps and our dog, Olive is very small. And so this I'm sure is not fun for her because the snow is as High as yep. she is. You need to create some egress for her to <laughs> get underneath that deck. I did. I yeah. made a little path. Well, hey, so. that's all we have for today. Good night. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> all right. Welcome to Tasty Pages, episode 26, Woo. Uh, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Um, per usual, we'll get a few uh, things out of the way here. If you visit our uh, webpage and click on the store tab, that will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. And we've got a couple things there, which I just recently updated and added some things to. Um, one being kitchen essentials for home cooks, and the other one being cookbooks, which is where you can find In BB's Kitchen, along with other top picks uh, for cookbooks. Wait, what did you add to the kitchen essentials? Parchment paper. Sheets. Oh, the sheets. Yes. Yeah, those things are awesome. I hate... We're getting some of those soon. I hate wrestling with the uh, cutter on yep. the edge that never seems to work. Me too. Well, I just don't like that it curls up from being rolled and then you're trying to get it to lay flat on a sheet tray. <laughs> I know. First world problems. Um, but yeah, so you make a purchase there. You get something that you want. We get a few pennies in return. Best of all, it does not cost you anything more to do that. And we definitely appreciate the support. Uh, let's talk about what we just finished this week. So this week we've taken a break from cookbooks and we... If you can call it a break. I know. It was more work than actually like working out of a cookbook. Yeah. Um, we did recipe development. Yep. Um, so usually that involves one of us cooking and the other writing stuff down. Although I think we kind of, we pretty much did it simultaneously. It pretty, yeah, it was a team affair. So, but we've got some exciting stuff coming that you'll see on our feed. We're we're trying to lean more into the recipe development in addition to um, featuring these cookbooks, which is kind of what we initially became known for. But uh, we want to branch out. And maybe eventually have our own cookbook. So 
<laughs> Cookbook agents, if you're listening, give us a call. Sure. Slide into our DMs, <laughs> as the kids say. All right. And then uh, what do we got up next? Oh, next, we are working on The Flavor Equation by Nick Sharma. Finally. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. the last people on earth to check out this book. I love his Twitter, too, because it's always food, food science, garden, his adorable little black dog. That it's it's a puppy. It's going to be huge, and and nice things about his husband. Nice, yeah. That's, I I enjoy it. That's great. We can use more of that in this world <laughs> right? too. Right? Cute dog pictures and people being nice to each other. All right, and then uh, what do we got for dinner tonight? Uh, we're doing a pantry meal, just um, uh, dumpling soup. Yeah, we have leftover dumplings, so I'm going to make up a nice broth. And we were going to attempt. Uh, recipe that we developed, Japanese fried chicken with matcha waffles. But I, I need a little bit more time to let it stew in my brain and, and figure out how to proceed with it. So See, and this is how nice I am. I hate matcha. I think yep. matcha is disgusting, but I'm like, okay. I'll make two batches. Go ahead. I'll leave the matcha out of one. You don't need to bother because I only ever eat like one waffle. That's true. So it's more trouble than what it's worth. It's it's no trouble. I'm happy to do it. It was Victoria's birthday yesterday. Yes, it was. You want to talk about that? Yes. So, you know, it's weird because I feel like my last three birthdays have been weird. The first, uh, let's see, three years ago, it was the polar vortex. When it was like 80 below outside or something. And I had just quit smoking. Yeah. And so I was like, ugh. But we actually had friends that were courageous enough to come around and have some cake. (laughs) You could die just walking a block in that weather. That was crazy. They were like our our neighbors. Um, God, I miss them. Um, And then last year was pretty low key. I mean, there wasn't anything bad about it. Yeah. You made me a lovely. Cake with strawberries and whipped cream. Yeah, it was like a double layer cake with some strawberries. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday I had my first ever dry aged steak. Yep. And we sous vide that. And you had a grass fed pork chop. And I had a martini that was lovely. We had these raspberry uh, tahini brownies. For for my cake. Yeah. And... Had a lovely bottle of rosé. Yeah. It was good. It was it was a lovely birthday. Thanks. And I got... Glad you liked it. Yes. And I'm super excited about one of my... Okay, so this is how nice he is. I, ha- I have a pair of leggings that I had to throw away because they got a hole in the crotch. Uh, not a not repairable hole. Like Not a deal breaker for most people. <laughs> they would just keep on rocking them. I've seen it. It's not yeah. pretty. Yeah. It's not my style. Yeah. Um, so he gave me some replacement leggings. And then I got, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar. They're, they look like a giant pair of tweezers. I call them kitchen tweezers. I don't know what they're called. Um, the first restaurant that I worked at, we used them. And it seriously becomes like your right hand. Yeah, and I so, think they're called kitchen tweezers. Yeah, so I he got me a couple pairs of those. Yeah. And I got a lovely new notebook to write down recipes in. So, yeah, it was great. Excellent. Thank you, babe. I love you. Mission accomplished. <laughs> 
All right. Now, so before we dive into this book, um, the show topic this week, uh, we put this out to all the uh, followers on Instagram and got some great feedback. So thank you for that. And we're going to discuss that in a second. What's your worst kitchen fail, kitchen disasters? Let's have it. All right. Um, Go ahead, start. Yeah. So we'll start with some listener submissions first because uh, they were great. Um, So uh, this one just came in. Uh, I, I wrote it down by hand. It, okay. was, it was down at the 11th hour. Uh, Jen T writes, cooking rice without a rice cooker. I don't know why you'd do that. <laughs> don't be a hero. Use yep. a rice cooker. <laughs> Even like Asian grandmas everywhere use rice cookers. Yep. You just push a button. No no shame in that. I love our rice cooker. Yeah. Um, let's see. E.E. Uh, e. Rochka said, wet brine turkey. Thanksgiving 2014. I love that she's got like the day. Never forget. It's, it's Hashtag so, never forget. It's so heinous that <laughs> yep. she remembers the exact We will never year. speak of this again. I love it. <laughs> um, Liz Mills, 4115. Uh, I use cumin instead of cinnamon in a cookie recipe. And, I mean, yeah, I love cumin, but... Not in a cookie recipe. Uh, give me a meatloaf, which Hi, is Annie. our friend Annie. Uh, she said it is and forever will be pie crust. <laughs> I don't understand it, and it doesn't understand me. Pie crust can be scary. Yeah. I feel like you do okay with it. Yeah, but, you know, when it goes wrong, it's really wrong. Yeah. There's and then never, you're fighting it. Yeah, the, there's never like a, oh, I'm not very happy with this. It's yeah. always like, this is a disaster. But mm, I get you, Annie. Yep. Uh, go go ahead and do another one. Uh, Maxwell Gregory, twenty eighteen, said forgetting to add the correct amount of flour to a batch of sugar cookies, disaster. <laughs> I I I can understand. I love how uh, a lot of these are baking fails. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's you, see. You can't really wing it with bacon, right? Uh, sugar tree baking. The exploding Pyrex pan was a low light. We've we've heard stories of that happening. Um, we did have something similar happen. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> I forgot that that was it, that was kind of your your doing. So <laughs> it, it made your uh, hall of shame. Okay, and then uh, our buddy Chris M via Facebook said uh, there was that one time that we mistakenly swapped baking soda for cornstarch in a Szechuan chicken recipe, and it was completely inedible. Ooh. Yeah. Well, baking soda is uh it's an emetic which can make you throw up. Yeah. Like uh inedible is right. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um Christy H from Facebook. Uh someone gave me salt instead of sugar for a strawberry <laughs> shortcake recipe. It was a family reunion slash birthday at a hotel and they brought the ingredients in unlabeled containers. Ooh. So I hope this like her fail wasn't like super public. Like I hope she didn't serve. Yeah, and then find out. I think the salt and sugar is kind of a common one that it I is. think everyone's probably done that at one point in time. Um, <laughs> I, I, a little side note: I, I love how these responses they they include words like we and us. Like <laughs> not not quite willing to take complete soul blame for it. It's more like you know. That one time that we mistakenly swapped baking soda for cornstarch. Oh, did we? <laughs> or, you know, someone gave me salt instead of sugar. I mean, but if someone was provided, I get I, that. I know. 
I just, I, I just, uh, just an observation. <laughs> it kind of softens the blow to your yeah, ego exactly. a little bit. Because it wasn't all my fault. Because like kitchen failures are never fun. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, our uh, friend and neighbor, Chris C via Facebook said, uh, regular sugar for powdered sugar in a peanut butter chocolate ball recipe. Uh, not terrible, but it had a beach sand crust. Crunch. Crunch. <laughs> I think they've given us some of those peanut butter balls before, and they're very good. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, let's see. I'm, since you kind of let the cat out of the bag. Start with that one. It's a good one. So, I was, I'm, I think I was braising some kind of meat or whatever in a La Crusette uh, casserole thing. It was like an enameled cast iron kind of, not even a cast iron, no. enameled ceramic yes. dish kind of and thing. And I mistakenly thought that I could just go ahead and set that on the burner and reduce my sauce. Nope. Nope. The thing cracked in <laughs> half. And uh, okay, number one, La Crusette. I'm saying it wrong. La Crusette. Um, they're expensive. Yeah. And this made a huge mess. Yeah. And that was that was our exploding Pyrex. Oh, <laughs> it was our personal exploding Pyrex. <laughs> I know I told this story before, but it's kind of the beginning of my culinary career, if you can call it that. When I was uh, probably about ten, I made these uh, chili dogs, and I was, you know, so proud of myself for trying to cook by myself and everything. And so I'm rooting around, and I grab a can of like Hormel chili, and I was gonna, you know, put that on there. I had the hot dogs going. I got my buns ready, and then I spy this. A uh, little jar of a uh, little bottle of liquid smoke in the pantry, and I said, "Oh yeah, that'll be good." And so I grab it and I just start like liberally applying it, like uh, hot sauce or ketchup or something, rendering those chili dogs completely See, inedible. And that's the thing is like you sometimes I'll add liquid smoke to stuff, and you'll be like, "Don't add too much." Yeah, like I still you have, have this huge fear about it. I'm yep. like, dude, it's fine. Yep. We're gonna be fine. Still have nightmares about it. <laughs> what else you got? Um, this was when I was working at a restaurant. Um, I dumped, and it could have been a lot worse because this it could have been hot. I dumped a hotel pan full of warm duck fat down my front. Yikes. Yeah. That was at Volo. That's kind of a tragedy. Yeah. How much, how much would you say it was? How uh, much duck fat? It was, well, the hotel pan was, I mean, it was- Was I it guess, full? It was full because wow. we had we had just removed some duck leg confit and we were letting it cool because we were going to strain the fat. That's an expensive fat. mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wow. And just- oh. And fun to clean up, I'm oh, sure. Oh my God. I was wearing my favorite pair of jeans, my favorite pair of work jeans, because at this place we wore like, um, we wore like the dishwasher shirts, the white dishwasher shirts and just whatever bottoms we wanted to. Yeah. And I was wearing my favorite work jeans. I mean, they were stained and gross, but there was was no coming back from them. Nope. So they and it was a good thing that I lived right down the street That's because right. I could run. I ran home really quick and changed clothes. Did those jeans just go right in the garbage? Yes, they did. <laughs> they did. Everything that I was wearing went in the garbage. I got one for you. Okay, remember that time I made toad in the hole for you? <laughs> I don't know what you did, but it was disgusting. <laughs> there was a. Brief time where I was really into like British pub, pub food, food. Yes, and so we had were. a few cookbooks, and I was like really trying to lean into it. And I'd always heard of Toad in the Hole, didn't quite really know what it was, and certainly had never had it before. 
and I thought it'd be like it was probably like a Gordon Ramsay recipe or something, and I I tried to make it and. I just don't understand what you did wrong. I I don't know. (laughs) It was disgusting. (laughs) I couldn't tell you to this day. What um, else you got? I vaguely remember making burritos one time. We love good spicy food. Not as much now that we're getting older and we get heartburn. But this was like earlier. This was about 20 years ago, I think. It was a while ago. Yeah. And I made some burritos and they were... (laughs) They were... (laughs) They were so spicy. They were uncomfortable to eat. (laughs) I I think we ended up not eating them because we were just like, yeah, uh, this is going to kill me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I got one for you. The Spetzla from Alpine Cooking. Oh, yeah. If you go back and listen to that episode, uh, Alpine Cooking by Meredith Erickson, this was like no fault of the recipe. It was just a result of us trying to improvise because we didn't have the proper equipment, and it was a disaster. And you can hear all about it on there. Yeah. That That was a mess. (laughs) Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. (laughs) You really want to dive deep into that disaster, check out that. Uh, You got anything else? Uh, Talk about the stew. Let's talk about the stew. Okay, so before we started this podcast, we... Uh, it was right before yeah, we started Yeah, we featured this. a book on our feed called Tahini and Turmeric, and it was, you know, kind of like Moroccan, Middle Eastern kind of recipes. Um, I... I feel like we have a pretty good uh, gauge for like before we dive into a cookbook and start, fe- you know, choose it for featuring that it it's going to be solid. This one, I think, was the one that just kind of slipped through the cracks. Yeah. And it just was not – none of the stuff we made was very successful. No. Everything was pretty underwhelming. And We then, had to like re-season everything. Yeah. Like the and, seasoning was off. And Middle Eastern cooking, uh, you know, j- speaking generically, is is generally not lacking in flavor. No. And this, a lot of the recipes in this book were, and it was, and we had two things in that book that did, just did not turn out that were like inedible. Yeah. Uh, one being this. Uh, it was, it was like, a tofu. It was a sweet and savory Moroccan style tofu. Emphasis on the sweet part because it was really sweet and kind of sour. Oh, see, the sourness like really was what well, got and me. I I went back and reviewed the recipe and I looked in the ingredient list and you had red wine vinegar, orange juice, lemon juice, dried fruit, including including uh, prunes, raisins, and apricots, and then it cooks for eight hours. That thing was simmering on the stove all day, <laughs> and it has tofu in it. Like I I fully. Get behind the idea of low and slow cooking when you've got like a cut of meat that benefits from that type of uh, process. Tofu is not one of those things that you need to cook for eight hours. And that long cook time just intensified those awful tastes even more. Yep. And then after that, there were these tahini cookies they were like kind of like a take on black and white cookies if you will because like one side was decorated in black sesame seeds the other was in white sesame seeds they were disgusting we ate one and they went in we ate one took photos 
into the trash they went. It was like eating wet sand. Yep. When I, were, when I wrote about this for our blog, I said taking a bite was akin to chewing a dry mouthful of tasteless sand ugh. with a hint of tahini. And it's cookies. <laughs> like, well, I get like f- f- fucking up cookies, you know, like they spread out too much or, you know, maybe they're a little underbaked or, but for a cookie to taste bad. Yeah. Like, no, no. Yeah. Uh, I had another one. Okay. Pig ears from the Michael Simon book. Yeah. But that wasn't our, that wasn't really our fault because technical difficulty. Yeah. You're so, we were going to put them in the oven overnight where they were going to simmer. Yep. Uh, uh, turns out our oven turns off at around 11 hours. Yeah. (laughs) So at some point in the middle of the night, it just shut off randomly Leaving these pig ears to just cool down and float around in this liquid, and uh, oh, it was so sad. Didn't turn out. But then we made another attempt later on, and then we did some tacos with them, and they were yes. really good. Oh, so good. Yeah, and we uh, cut some of them up and fried them up, and like made a uh, made a, a salad with them too. That's right. So we redeemed ourselves yeah. with that one. Uh, you got anything else? Nope. See, you know, my, a, my fails are limited because I'm so good. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I've got one for you. Okay. This is recent. Uh, we attempted to make mayonnaise from scratch oh. for uh, some recipes in Amboy by uh, Alvin Kalen, which mm-hmm. is going to be coming up soon in our feed. And uh, I think I lost count at about six or seven attempts. And this is between the two of us. Like I did a couple and then I was like, can you help and please take over and save the day? And here's the thing. I have made gallons and gallons of mayonnaise by hand. And I just, it kept breaking and I couldn't bring it back. And we did it in the Vitamix too. That didn't, oh. If anyone's got any tips on foolproof homemade mayonnaise recipe. And we've made, I mean, we've made mayonnaise so many times before. I don't know. Like the night was cursed. And best of all, we both hate mayonnaise. (laughs) And we are like, I, we were just determined to do this. And I mean, it's simple. It's simple. It's an emulsion. Yeah. I don't know what the hell was going on. We will, ne- we will never speak of it again. No. It's, em- it's embarrassing, kind of. Like, I, I feel myself getting all hot just thinking about it because I'm so embarrassed. I hear you. <laughs> it just wasn't our day. No, it wasn't. And then uh, I, honorable mention was the uh, pretty much everything from the Barbudo cookbook, oh, um, which you can also listen about listen in a previous podcast episode because we discussed that in agonizing detail. But uh, yeah. I think the the pizza uvo with the with the eggs on it was was probably the biggest failure from that book. That was the worst pizza I've ever eaten in yeah. my life. It was bad. Yuck. How do you mess up a pizza or cookies for that matter? Pizza well, and cookies. Yeah, should be simple. I know. All right. Okay. Well, let's 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 get to the reason why we're here. Yeah. Let's, let's so talk about this lovely book in BB's kitchen. So the the subtitle of the book is "Recipes and Stories of Grandmothers from Eight African Countries That Touch the Indian Ocean." And I think that kind of sums up what you need to know about uh-huh. this book. Um, it 
collects over 75 recipes of uh, African grandmothers, some uh, still living in their native country, others who have since immigrated elsewhere. And um, it also interviews them. So I think in in the book, there's a total of uh, 16 different interviews, um, which is great. And then uh, I just made a little note here, too, that this was your number three pick. Yes, it and was. And my number six pick uh-huh. for year-end favorites of 2020. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the dishes we made? If there's any like standout dishes or. Yeah. Well, the first thing we made was a chicken stew with yogurt and coconut. And it was very good. The thing that stood out to me was that you're supposed to serve it with a banana. Yeah. Which, you know, to us is really weird. I don't think of serving bananas for dinner with a savory dish. No. But it's commonplace elsewhere. Yes. And here's the thing. Like the bananas that we get in the United States, for some reason, Americans, they're they're called Cavendish. And that's the kind of bananas that Americans like. There are over a thousand species of bananas. Yeah. Um, oh, and here is a really fun fact. So the peels have enzymes that can do all sorts of things. If you have a splinter, you can, I don't know why I'm going off on a tangent about banana peels, but this is like super interesting. Yeah. To th- me. We run a professional operation here. No <laughs> tangents allowed. Um, if you have a, if you have um, a splinter, you can put the peel on it and it will help like loosen it up. And you can also fix DVD and CD scratches By with banana, banana peel on them. Really? <laughs> yes. So all this time when I owned a record store, I could have been like, you right? know, rubbing banana peels on CDs and <laughs> <Just> stuff. <laughs> wow. I had no idea. Who knew? Well, and I think that it's, you make an interesting point though, is like the bananas that we have access to here in America are limited. Yes. And, you know, in other countries, they've got these different varieties that probably pair better with these savory dishes. Different levels of sweetness, like starch, color, what have you. Um, The other thing that stood out from this particular dish was that um, hawash mix, which is a spice mix that we ended up using in two different dishes. Uh Um, And it's uh, ground toasted cinnamon, cumin, coriander, peppercorns, cardamom, cloves, and turmeric. I love that you were going to highlight that because I was going to... I, I mean, it's, it was like a well. flavor bomb. Yeah, it was. And uh, I mean, that was that was a new discovery for us as well. And I think one that we'll continue to, you know, make up some and keep in our pantry anytime you want to like kick up a dish. Yep. Um, otherwise, this, I mean, that was a pretty straightforward one pot meal. Mm-hmm. Um, we made a date bread, which I'm a big fan of the of the like sweet bread well, type the, things. The, I mean, that was an interesting one because, like, I feel like every culture has their own version of, like, a quick bread, mm-hmm. which is what this was. It, it did not have any yeast, so there was no rise or resting time. So it was really simple to throw together. And then, I mean, it's just, like I said, just simple. You throw some chopped up dates in there. And uh, th- that was from uh, Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Um, we enjoyed that. Yep. It freezes really well. And we uh, we 
had it with an iced rooibos tea with orange cloves and cinnamon. That was a beautiful looking It was gorgeous. And, and tasted delicious too. But. And can I just say, I've been saying rooibos wrong all these years. I call it rubios. <laughs> the I before the B. <laughs> That's okay. When we were younger, we would pronounce uh, Asiago. I think we pronounce it Asagio. Asagio. So we'd go into like the local, you know, bagel shop in the morning and be like, yeah, can I get one of those Asagio bagels? And they're probably just like, you, you rube. Dumbass. <laughs> but anyway, it was a beautiful color. It tasted great. You know, I'm, I'm always, I love tea. I'm always down for a good tea recipes. So what'd you think of the Kinjiro? Which are like sourdough pancakes? Oh, I I loved them. Um, they're kind they're kind of um, they're kind of akin to the injera, which is the Ethiopian flatbread. But this uh, these are made with like olive got something to yes, say. Yes, olive olive is saying hello to everyone. Um, but these are made with white corn flour, whereas uh, injera is made with um, teff flour. But they're they're a little bit sour. They're flat. And, Perfect vehicle for scooping up some stew. Yeah, well, we served it with a cilantro green chili pepper sauce. (gasps) That sauce. Which was another revelation along with that tawash mix. Um, Because we ended up with extra of that sauce, which was great because it was fantastic. And I I know we used it for some other dishes later on, like to dress some chicken with it or something. Well, and that sauce is... um, All I could think about when I was eating it was... uh, the sauce that was served with the chicken boti from Khan Barbecue. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, this is the sauce. I, yeah. I'm sure it's not exactly the same thing, but oh, the sauce. Love it. Yep. And then uh, we did a Somali beef stew, um, which is pretty simple presentation. Um, it also it also received those bananas again on the side, <laughs> As in, in addition to that uh, hawash spice mix. Um the thing that stood out for me with this dish, though, was it's a great way to stretch a smaller portion of inexpensive meat into mm-hmm. like a meal that can feed a large group of people. Mm-hmm. Very resourceful dish. Yeah. And then the last thing was um, uh, chicken thighs with garlic, ginger, and coconut oil. And uh, that we made that with a tomato relish. Which was interesting because you begin to see these different cultures will have their own spin. I mean, everyone's got a, their version of like a taco mm-hmm. or a dumpling. dumpling. And this tomato relish was just real simple, you know, tomato, scallions, lime juice, ginger, cilantro. I, I feel like a lot of cultures have something similar and this originated from uh, Madagascar, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, there's an observation that, uh, you know, you see a lot of crossover Depending on well, uh, I mean, all that a lot of that comes from colonization, yeah. So, or slave labor, in some cases, because uh, well, I think colonization and slave labor are kind of synonymous. Yes, really. Yeah, Um, but I, I, I I was reading in uh, each chapter of this book. We'll get to this in a second when we talk about the rankings. But they've got uh, you know the different countries represented. And, um, mm-hmm. in the chapter and then before it dives into the recipes it has like the population religion language economy 
all that stuff. And that was where you really learned about like how these countries were originally settled and, you know, if they were a territory of, you know, a lot of them were like from the British empire. And, and so there, that's where that influence comes in. But there was, there was, um, you know, some countries where, you know, it'll say like, they've got a large Indian population because they brought in like Indian slave labor to Mm -hmm. build the railroad in the country. Mm -hmm. And so then you've got that influence that creeps in from the food and, uh, you know, any other culture in general. So interesting stuff. And, uh, you know, I think this was a cuisine that we're not totally familiar with. We've had examples of it before, but it was really fun to just go a little deeper into this and and learn some stuff along the way. So I agree. Yeah. Um, new segment before we go into the rankings. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. So just out of curiosity, um, I looked up in BB's kitchen on Amazon and started reading the, the customer reviews and there weren't any one or two star reviews, thankfully, but there was some threes and I wanted to understand the reason why someone would rank this fantastic book low. It, it started when I was researching Odalingi's flavor from our last episode and I actually found some one star reviews and I was like, who, who the Sam hell is going to give Odalingi flavor a one star? Someone who doesn't like garlic. Yeah. What what are you eating? I, what are what do you eat? They, they were like, it wasn't just like oh I don't care for garlic. They're they like, were it's like disgusting. yeah they were offended like like what, personally offended. But do you just eat like white bread and butter? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, new segment most critical review from Amazon, and I, I feel like we should kind of adapt some kind of voice like a I want to speak to the manager type of voice when we read this. Okay, I want to hear thing. your I want to speak to the manager. Oh, I thought you were going to do oh, it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So this this comes from at Radiant Oak, and they gave it three out of five stars on Amazon, and this is what they had to say. The content of this book is fantastic. However, there is a chunky, waxy buildup on the lower right corner of the pages. With patience, I was able to remove the substance. Job well done. <laughs> I mean, really? You're going to knock stars off a review because the the book had some crud on it? Yeah. It's not the book's fault. No, I don't think they ship with crud. <laughs> I don't think they came from the the publisher with crud included. Free free crud in every book. Um, so there you go, three out of five. But uh, let's. Uh, that's a perfect segue into our ranking. Uh-huh. Um, we'll start with food photography and styling. What'd you give it? I gave it a five. Um. I felt like these photos really kind of captured just kind of captured like the way of cooking, the way of life. There's, you know, there's, and I love, I love the photos of the grandmas in their kitchens at home and the, it wasn't anything flash, but it really, it just, it felt really honest and the photos were beautiful. Well, and they talk a great deal at the beginning of the book and in the intro about the process involved with creating this book. And I mean, this came out in 2020. I would imagine they were kind of finishing this up during COVID. So, you know, travel wasn't an option. And even if it were, it would probably be quite expensive to be taking these frequent trips 
to the different African countries. Olive's really on a on a roll over there, isn't she? <laughs> She's on a tear. Um, oh man. And so there was a lot of you know they they describe in the book how this is a pretty old school home cooking comfort food grandma recipe cookbook mm-hmm. at its at its essence but it was made using a lot of you know modern technology like skyping and yes and uh, you know, smartphones and devices and all mm-hmm. this, you know, and, and there was a lot of uh, just remote interviews being done, which I, I just found the whole thing fascinating. Um, they had two different photographers mm-hmm. in the book. I, I would imagine one was based here in America that would, took a lot of the, there was like some photos that were obviously like shot in like a studio setting mm-hmm. that were staged and, and styled. And then, like you said, there was all these other ones that were, you know, kind of a combination of like travel and people photographs, um, oftentimes showing them preparing the dish or serving the dish in what I presume to be their their own kitchens, mm-hmm. um, wherever they should live. And I, I just, I found the the mix of the two like really cool. Yeah, it was so. <clears throat> it was very well rounded. Yeah. And uh, lots of good stuff to look at yes. in the book, photo-wise. Um, I, I gave it a five as well. Okay. Um, design and layout. I gave it a five. Okay. Um, we mentioned before chapters are divided by country. And then, you know, before the recipes, there's text about, you know, the particular country's geography, uh, climate, economy. I, I actually learned quite a bit from... Looking through those things. I did too. You want to hear some fun facts? Spring it on me. All right. Somalia is one of the largest suppliers of frankincense and myrrh in the world, which I, I thought was great. I don't know what you use frankincense and or myrrh for, but uh, the wise men seem to like it. So We're getting biblical. Yep. Um, and the majority of the population in Somalia is Sunni Muslim, which means that all food is halal, meaning no pork or alcohol. Uh-huh. thought that was really interesting. Um, and then when we move on to Kenya, it is the third largest exporter of cut flowers in the world. So there's all these different uh, flower farms. I had no there. idea. They have a whole airport terminal dedicated to the importing and exporting, or I guess it'd be exporting of, of cut flowers. Isn't that great? That's crazy. I bet it smells nice in Kenya. (laughs) You got the food and the flowers. Right. Um, also has the largest population of Quakers in the world. Really? Who would have thought? I know. And then, uh, in Madagascar, 90% of the plants and animals found there cannot be found elsewhere. Biodiversity. Wow. Yeah. And they also supply 80% of the world's vanilla. Yes. That's not a surprise. Yeah. That's that's my fun facts for <laughs> from this book. Well, See? Thanks. Ate some delicious food and learned some stuff. <laughs> We're in class. Yep. What'd you give it for design and layout? I gave it a five. And pretty much what you were talking about um, earlier about how it's broken down into the countries and then there's a... Interviews and then recipes are shared, and I d- I really did enjoy the uh, the the country intro sections. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to pack in a lot of 
really important knowledge um, in a really easy way. Yeah. Now, in so many ways, this is more than just a cookbook. I mean, the the recipes that were contained in there were were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Everything that we tried, but uh, you know, beyond that, there's there's some there's some content in there. Yep. Um, degree of difficulty. I gave it a two. There's nothing in here, you know. There's, I mean, I guess I could give it a a one. I don't. I see. That's, that's the what thing. I gave is, it. That's the thing. Is like I don't know. I don't know what a one looks like. Do you? You want my take on it? Yeah. Um, I feel like if you possess like the most basic of of cooking skills, okay, that would kind of be where a one falls. So, like, if you gave someone a cookbook, I, I'm assuming that someone would kind of have a general knowledge and kind of be able to navigate their way around the kitchen. I mean, if you're just a disaster and you don't like cooking, then what's the point? You know, yeah. like if, if you're just the type of person that just eats takeout all the time, we can assume that this, you're not going to like any cookbook yeah. because like, you know, you just don't enjoy cooking. But I would say if you, if you enjoy cooking, you're, competent at it you're not gonna burn yourself or cut yourself (laughs) and even then you know it happens uh i i feel like all the recipes in this book were you know simple delicious home cooking uh short ingredient list only a few steps from prep to serving all the breads were super easy like flat breads yeah done in a like in a skillet I mean, it really doesn't get much easier than this book, I don't think. Yeah. And and I think that speaks to Julia Tertian's expertise because she's not only authored her own cookbooks, but worked on and co-authored a few dozen others. And I think that's where her skill really is, is just, you know, and she mentions in there, like, these have all been, like, tested Uh um, so that, you know, you're going to have that confidence working from this book that everything's going to be successful. And I think that that was the case with everything that we had tried. Well, and I love that, you know, there may be someone who doesn't cook a lot or doesn't feel competent. And this book gives you access to, you know, a bunch of different types of cuisines that mm-hmm. you like would maybe only get if you go out to eat. You know, because you think uh, this is going to be too hard or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a one. All right. Yes. I sold you on it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I mean, I th- I think there's no need to be intimidated if you're considering this book. Like, if you want to check it out, or you're you know maybe it's something that you've been thinking of of buying. Um, I would say buy it uh-huh. and don't be intimidated. Have uh-uh. fun because uh-huh. it's a great book. And then uh, lastly, most importantly, taste. I gave it a five. Yeah. I mean, there was n- there was nothing that we made that I wasn't like, holy crap, this is great. And I would I would say I would go even further and say that oh Olive. <laughs> We're almost done. Say <laughs> so wait for the joke. Then you can make a bunch of noise. <laughs> I I would say I had some pretty naive expectations going into this. I just didn't know what to expect Mm -hmm. and i i think like it really just exceeded the you know whatever you know maybe modest expectations i had going into it because everything we had was was fantastic packed with flavor yes um nothing was timid in flavor or boring so great work yes and you gave it a five as well absolutely me too so 
All right. This well, meeting is adjourned. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it. Uh, you can find us on the web at wecookbooks.com as well as Instagram at we underscore cook underscore books and Facebook at we cook books. Um, production assistance was provided by J- Danny Schaefer. Thank you, Danny. Oh, Olive. All right. Let's let's tell a joke and then get out of here because Olive's being very impatient. It's ha ha time. Yep. All right. This is this is one for the nieces. I've I've got some young nieces, and this is this is a good one. You can tell them. What kind of fish goes great with peanut butter? A jellyfish. Oh. <laughs> that was cute. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Be safe. Wear a mask. Bye. 